Viv, and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode with Thousand Currents, an international organization that resources frontline communities and social movements in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Caribbean through grants, through education, through influencing funders, and through organizing. And with over 30 years of work, they have been able to influence and move over $10 billion towards philanthropic giving. And I'm really excited to talk about this today because as an immigrant, I am not only local to where I currently live, but I also feel an affinity to where I was born and my motherland abroad. And so this really influences my philanthropic practice and we get to talk about global philanthropic solidarity today. So joining me is Sandra Silva, Regional Director of Latin America and the Caribbean. And Sandra, because we will be talking about giving globally and how to build solidarity globally, why don't you start off by telling me where you are joining us from and telling us about Thousand Currents? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, V. So I am talking from the Dominican Republic, a city called Bonao, but I am Brazilian and based in Sao Paulo, Brazil, although I'm from the countryside of Brazil, but I'm based in Sao Paulo. I have been working with Thousand Currents for almost one year now. And so Thousand Currents is an international or a global philanthropic organization. And our thematic areas are climate justice, food sovereignty, and economic justice. And we work mainly with grassroots formations in the global south, meaning Asian American, the Caribbean, Africa, and Asia and the Pacific, to support movements there. We leverage money worldwide for them. We really believe that uh, systemic change is needed for to reach a more just and equitable world. And we also work to transform philanthropic practices. Like in some, that's what Thousand Currency is about. Yeah, and as we move through this conversation, I'm curious how listeners are able to participate in international development and philanthropy, especially if they don't feel the global responsibility, right? Like they don't feel responsible outside their local community. How can listeners participate in the Thousand Currents mission? I think I think there are a few ways to do that. Definitely the the easiest way and also a very important way is donating. You know, global movements and actually the global South population, they are the most affected by all the harms that the international system can cause on people. So I think donating to grassroots formations in the, in the South means that we are taking responsibility for our collective care. And outside of that, there is also the thing of getting to know them, getting to know their challenges, getting to know why they do the struggles they do, and also voicing the, their concerns voicing their visions and also giving voice to their struggles. So anyone who is interested in supporting social movements, especially social movements in the global south, should take into consideration that there, there are less resources and there is a lot of problems. And acknowledging that, acknowledging that you can donate and acknowledging that you can, and acknowledging their struggle and supporting their struggles is the most important 
things that, that people can do in my field. And you mentioned the Global South, and I actually don't think a lot of people know what the Global South is and what sorts of issues might affect the Global South. So maybe you can go into that a little bit and talk about those issues as well. Yeah, thank you for that question, Viv. So the first thing I should have said are the areas that you work at Thousand Currents, which are food sovereignty, climate justice, and economic justice. So we believe that these uh, these areas are key to transform the world, like to provide systemic change. But when we talk about Global South, we're talking about Latin America, about the Caribbean, about Africa about Asia. We're talking about areas in the globe that are deeply affected by the different kind of colonies that exist today. So the food systems very harmful to people in the global south. For example, there are huge areas in Brazil, for example, but not only, that are occupied for agriculture. It's not that they're growing foods for people to eat. They're growing foods for exports. And it's not unusual that uh, these crops are being ground in areas that belong to indigenous peoples, in areas where Quilombola communities, which are Afro-descended communities, like originals, origi- uh, originals Afro-descended communities or indigenous Afro-descended communities living there. So this caused, of course, a lot of conflict in the region, a lot of displacement and also hunger, because if people from the region cannot grow food and if the food that is being ground is for export, then there is a problem. Yeah, thank you for giving me that example. I think, you know, as we're hearing about these things happening globally, we don't always think about how we are benefiting from those things directly. You know, we don't think about where our exports come from and how it could affect a community from where those products originate. So I I think this can perpetuate that horrible cycle. And I actually don't really know what food sovereignty is, and I'm really wanting to learn that. I know you did mention food sovereignty, Mm -hmm. climate justice, and economic justice. So for people who don't really know those terms, I would love if you could go a little bit into each. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. And yeah, usually like people forget when I talk about these, this kind of concept like climate, like food, people forget there are humans involved, there are communities involved, means of living involved. So we, we talk about uh, food sovereignty in the pose of food security, for example, because this is not all about nutrition, about having food. This is, this is just a small part of that, an important part of that, but a small part of that. Food sovereignty is a more holistic concept to protect land, territory, the right to grow food, the right to have food. Growing food and having what to eat is so much more than just being in front of a plate and eating. We need to guarantee that people are not dependent on anything external to live. This means that people need to have land. Like People need to have the right to grow food consistently. So we need to protect their land they need to protect their territory, they need to have the right to, to belong to their, to their families so if they, they die, their kids will be able also to grow food like they, the survival of them is 
is secured, right? So, and of course, without being poisoned, without like GMOs, like having healthy, a healthy way to, to cultivate Mother Earth, but also a healthy way to, to eat the food, right? To, uh, so food sovereignty is bigger, is bigger than, than just having the nutrients that you need. It's also having the right to sustain it, like having the right to sustain, to sustain our right to, to food. And what about economic justice, right? We know economic mobility. What does economic justice mean and how does it look? So as you can see, like all of these areas, they are like intersectional. So economic justice, if we acknowledge that we live in a very unjust world, unequal world, uh, so there are people that are being exploited by it. And economic justice is about looking for ways to, to end this relationship, right? So... For example, to give an example, it's very common to have domestic workers in, in Latin America and the Caribbean. And usually domestic workers don't have their rights as workers recognize it. They are not uh, supported by the social security systems the same way that other categories of workers are. So this is an example of looking after some economic justice. Uh, if they get the right, it doesn't mean that they will have like the best life they can they can live, but they would, would be in a way to reach it. So economic justice is about like trying to trying to end this mm-hmm. this gap of inequalities. I see. So that sounds like a lot. And when I think about economic justice, the first thing I think about is the people that contribute to the economy, right? Mm-hmm. These workers, and they don't necessarily have the same rights and be- benefits given to them by the economy as the rest of us do who, because of an exploitation. So I really, really value that example that you've given and then climate justice, the third approach to Thousand Currents. Can you talk me through what climate justice means? Yeah, I think uh, the same logic that we're using to talk about food sovereignty applies to to climate justice. Again, this is not only about preserving nature, of course. Again, this is a very important aspect of it, but it's not the whole thing because there are humans involved there, there are communities involved there. So, for example, the usual discussion about climate currently, which are related to the conservation of, of forests, for example, this conservation sometimes means that people that live in that in that area, indigenous peoples, peasants that live in that area, they will find restrictions to to grow food, to get fishes, because that that would be an area that is preserved for humanity. So how come can we preserve an area for humanity and not take into account the humans that live there? And it can be much more than that. Sometimes, uh, not sometimes, actually very often. Huge areas are damaged by mining, damaged by by agribusiness, by monocultures, even damaged by tourism complex. And really damaged, meaning that deforestations are related to this. So there is this point, but there is also this other point when we are already talking about conservation, but without taking into account people who are actually protecting the environment for ages. Thank you so much for walking us through that. And I know we talked about the three approaches 
for a thousand currents climate justice economic justice and food sovereignty and you've spoken a little bit about this already but i would love if you could dive deeper into the holistic theory of change for a thousand currents by using these three approaches what does the future look like and what where is this mission leading us Hopefully, and not hopefully, because that's actually what what um, movements and grassroots formations in general are doing. They're trying to change cultures, and, and they are trying to change institutions, and they're working to change systems. So we really believe that when grassroots formations, when they have all the relationships, resources they desire, when they do have all the financial resources they desire, uh, when they do have all the intellectual resources they desire, they are strengthened to do that. They are strengthened to transform the world. They're strengthened to, to change systems to change cultures. And as we envision this transformation, on the other side, there will be a world, a self-determined world. There will be a world in which the people from the localities will own their destiny, will own their future. Yeah, I really like these three approaches because like even with just food sovereignty, I used to think I just wish everyone was fed. But it could be more than that. We could be fed and thriving. You know, we should be fed in our communities, our crops, our agriculture, and the earth should be thriving. We shouldn't just be stopping at our basic needs met. We have resources for so much more than that. They just aren't currently shared. So I love how Thousand Currents is moving money and moving resources towards the mission of creating this thriving world. So I do want to take a moment and celebrate that. I want to celebrate the current impact of Thousand Currents in the last few years and really talk about what has been the impact of the philanthropic work. One thing that I think it's important about Thousand Currents is about how the grant-making model has evolved on the way. So, uh, and it has evolved in learning, in exchange with the movement. So as you want that word to happen, the word I've just mentioned, and if you want that word to be self-determined, this also means that our relationship with our partners must uh, respect what they want, what they expect from a funder. So. Uh, our making model is very much uh, shaped by what we have learned from our partners. In the last years, Thousand Currents became this dear organization, not only dear for me, but I know also from our partners, as long as they know. <laughs> Yeah, precisely for doing that, like for providing them the flexible and car grants they need to do what they believe is important and not what we as funders believe is important. And definitely that's the biggest accomplishment of the organization. And in the last years, and, and also we also work as with philanthropic organizations to influence uh, the sector, trying to transform philanthropic practices based on what with learning from our partners. And in the last year, when we moved almost $6 million directly to movement partners, we have we have more than 120 partners in the global south, meaning the American, the Caribbean, Africa, Asia, and the Pacific. Most of them are long-term partners, meaning it goes up to 10 years of partnership because we don't believe we or we should fund a specific project. We are funding a strategy. A strategy 
strategy for systemic change doesn't take one year or two. It takes a while. So we look at trying to support our partners that way, like their strategy. And Thousand Currents raised 8 million, actually raised almost 15 million last year, 8 million only from foundations. As I told you, we moved almost $6 million directly to our partners. And a part of that, like there is also, we're also going through our own transformation. So in Thousand Currents, we really believe that it's not enough to try to transform the system if you are not transforming ourselves and if you're not transforming our practices as an organization. And more than that, something that I love about Thousand Currents is that we are very diverse. The, our regional teams are based in the region. They are from the region. So there is no one from the global north telling us in the region what the region should be about or what the region is about, what it should be doing. I really follow the fact that we try to, to keep the work as native, as indigenous as, as possible. Absolutely. And I think $8 million is no small feat. And I think the value of trust-based approach with partners is not something we've always seen in philanthropy. And it's really, really important because when you're talking about the Global South, we should be hiring a diverse team from the Global South so that we are listening to people that are closest to the problem. And you're not just listening to people who think they have a solution to the problem, not having lived that experience. So I love to hear that, and I'm really happy to hear about the work and current impact. So I want to take us back to talking about global giving and tie it in with listeners a little bit, like how do we give globally responsibly and how can we start off if we've never done it? Well, again, of course, I will talk from our perspective in Thousand Parents, also my personal perspective, because I know this is not, uh, it's not very usual, for example, for in the philanthropic world to fund movements directly. But personally, I believe that's the most effective way to find, to fund, because grassroots movements are organizing communities locally, and you cannot change anything if you don't have people with you. And it's not only having people with you in terms of, of numbers like you have to conquer hearts you have to conquer minds that's a lot of work to, to let people know and understand uh, the roots of their problems right so and this is something that movements do uh, beautifully because they always work from the reality of the people and not from any kind of imagination of what reality is so I believe that starting by researching what movements are doing the global South is key. So you, you're informed about your donation. It's not just that you donate to feel better. You donate because you have a responsibility, because we need collective care. And movements really need resources. I know six million is a very nice, you know, number, but it's just real. Like if you compare to the numbers that corporations have, the corporations that are damaging them have, this is a small number. So we need to raise more and more money. We need to move more resources to movements. Uh, so this is key. Like first, learn about movements. Second, donate to them. And most people, even People who are well-intentioned, like who really want to do something to the role, they just don't know what the, the challenges are. So once you know 
you should pass the information ahead. You should be sure that other people will get that information, will know what's happening, how it's happening, and what they could do to support donating and you know amplifying the struggle of the movements. I love those examples that you've given, and we can really think about where we can be moving resources with whatever resources we have, whatever money we have, and whatever voice we have. So thank you for uplifting that, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into building solidarity with global movements. What does that mean? How is Thousand Currents currently doing that? So outside of all that I've just said, because this global giving, it's also related to solidarity, right? And something that is definitely core about building solidarity, not only in philanthropy, but also like as, as a citizen, as a global citizen, it's called to trust movements, to trust what they're doing, the work they're doing, to trust uh, the solutions they they find, to, to see it, to see their struggle with humility, really believing that it's not you who has the the solution it's them so trust and having humility are a car in in that building and be being you know accountable to to the movement so yeah i think building building solidarity it's related to the donate it's related to amplify the voice but it's also related to trust movements it's also related to look at them with humility and it's definitely also related to being accountable to them. We are, we, should, we are also accountable to them. We should be. Solidarity means so much more than the transactions or the donations, right? Like, I think you described it so well. It's definitely trusting communities by uplifting their voices, holding yourself accountable. And I think every donor and everyone who really believes in these missions should be doing those things in addition to, you know, moving resources and donating. So I really appreciate that. And my next question is one of my favorite questions, and I would love to know how this impact has affected real day-to-day people, the humans that you're talking about. Can you share some of the stories in the local communities that Thousand Currents has been able to reach? This is also like one of the things that most excites me you know as regional director for this american and the caribbean one of my of my tasks is visiting the partners and we visit the partner not to you know to do any kind of policy into the work they're doing. This is first to know them better, to know like how to know to see how we are supporting them, what are the results of this support. But it's also like an opportunity for us to be accountable to them so they can make questions, direct questions. Uh, and this is something really interesting with our partners because they ask us questions. The same way that we have to ask some questions to them, they also want to know how, what's our structure, how do we work, the money come from like they do every kind of these questions especially when we are in person but coming back to your to your question the thing is um as i told you before more than funding projects we fund strategies so we're not looking at immediate results we're not looking for some immediate thing that is done we can see the work evolving but remember that we're looking for systemic change like they're looking 
we are looking for the same thing that they are, systemic change, changing cultures, changing institutions, uh, which I think that takes time. But sometimes, actually most times, we can see the direct impact of the work. And as I told you right now, I'm in the Dominican Republic and I'm here to be a partner. And one of the things that they, they, they told me yesterday, I'm, I am uh, in their new house, the house that they could, they are trying to buy for now it's rent, but they will buy soon and they told me that they only could do that because of our grants because our grant this is the only flexible grant they have so this is something really cool about the work of thousand parents we see that having flexible funds uh, strengthen partners because they can have more structure they can you know they can have a house or to do their meetings or they, they used to organize they used to do popular education so this is an example and I, I could give you more examples so uh, we have a partner in Guatemala and I don't know how much you know about the situation in Guatemala but it's really hard and it's a, a, for indigenous peoples like it's really hard there's a struggle for land and a lot of displacement from indigenous communities so because of our friends uh, some partners could go to could do strategic litigation actually this partner could do strategic litigation for different indigenous communities in Guatemala. The fact that they could do that, like that they could, you know, get some land back to indigenous peoples, the fact that this anti-racist feminist collective in, in the Dominican Republic could get their house. There are examples that we do not want my heart on the work that we're doing. And I want to make sure, you know, we know where to find Thousand Currents and for you to just reiterate the call to action and what listeners can take away from our conversation. So you can find Thousand Currents. We have a website, thousandcurrents.org, and it's renewed. There's a lot of information there, so I would encourage you to visit. There's a lot of, if you can see all of our partners there and also how to donate, how to engage with the work we do. Uh, we are also in social media. We are on Instagram, or LinkedIn, Twitter. So that's also places where you can reach us out. You can also find like our emails there. So it's really easy to read Thousand Currents if you want. And I hope you do. Just as takeaways, I think this taking the collective care as a personal responsibility to each of us. If someone who is listening to this podcast feels that, this will be already amazing because building solidarity also means that you, you must be moved by this feeling that you have a responsibility with the world and that we need to take care of it collectively. And if you, from our place, is not doing that, cannot do that directly. There are a lot of people that are already working on that and you can support. So building solidarity with trust, uplifting voice, the voices of grassroots formation and being accountable to them. I think if you can have these takeaways, I'm, I'm happy. Awesome. And lastly, you've shared so much with us already today. And I think you have so much experience being in these communities and being close to the global south. I would love if you could share wisdom with us that has informed your Thousand Currents work and just life in general. Well, I, 
I have a life of commitment with social movements. And this also means that I have always been a little bit suspicious about funders because of the usual practice of them. But at the same time, like we need the resources and most of the resources are coming from the global north because, and this is also historical because the money did not come from nowhere. It came from here. And, you know, joining an organization like Thousand Currents where these issues are taken seriously. That's one of the most special things about the job that we're currently doing. Yeah, so I truly believe that the model of, you know, the making model that we carry as an organization is, if not perfectly what, you know, perfectly fits what movements are expecting, we are always the effort to get there. And that's something that I'm, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be part of it if it wasn't that way. I didn't even know that it could be before knowing Thousand Currents. And yeah, being part of it, having the respect of movements, being able to to see them talking with us openly, that's really rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And Sandra, you've shared so much with us today, and I just want to thank you so, so much for being with me. I'm really grateful to have had this conversation and opening up about the incredible work and mission of Thousand Currents, and I'm just super excited to see the future of global solidarity. So thank you so much, Sandra. It was amazing speaking to you. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Uh, it was really, really nice talking with you. Uh, a little bit challenging, as I told you, <laughs> but I'm super, super happy. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your community. For more information, head over to our website at thewhatgivesproject.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.